Next, Rethinking Heroes. As Russia experienced its own January 6th coup d'etat, we go live to Moscow to a young on-the-ground reporter to break down the Wagner Group and the Kremlin's next move. Then we explore whether the power of journalism can slow down World War III. Rethinking Heroes with Kerry Harrison. With over 700 military veteran journalists worldwide, it's your Rethinking Heroes flash briefing. Stories from the front. Kerry Harrison here with your Rethinking Heroes flash briefing, an update on national defense news and stories affecting service members, veterans, and the rest of us. Well, an Ohio lawmaker has proposed an amendment to the annual defense bill that would block military members and staff from interacting with a nonprofit organization known for recognizing the importance of separating religion from the federal United States military, church and state, if you will. The House Armed Services Committee recently approved a draft of the annual defense authorization bill and included language suggested by Republican Congressman Mike Turner to bar troops from speaking with the Military Religious Freedom Foundation, which would probably like to bar Congressman Mike Turner. The nonprofit group often goes by the acronym MRFF and is known for its motto, which would please patriots on both sides. Quote, when one proudly dons a U.S. military uniform, there is only one religious symbol, the American flag. There is only one religious scripture, the American Constitution. Well, the group has called for the removal of swastikas from veteran cemeteries, along with blocking a Christian jewelry maker from using official military logos on its products. Again, separation of church and state. In this particular instance, uh, state takes on a different meaning when congressmen like Ohio's Mike Turner or Christian nationalists who are embedded deep in the government uh, they, it creates an interesting nuance worth reporting on because we trust your keen minds and analytical prowesses when it comes to the Establishment Clause, for you to understand what that is and how that's relevant here. And that is the First Amendment, after all. Not the 18th, the first. One of the most important imperatives the Founding Fathers ever sought. Well, the Ohio Congressman's proposal, if it becomes part of final law, would block defense officials and troops from even communicating with this nonprofit foundation, while also banning any decisions as a result of a violation discovered by the MRFF. That is, unless the actual Secretary of Defense physically approves it. The defense authorization bill still needs to pass a vote from the full House and then merge with the Senate's version of the bill, which is to say that it's unclear if the measure will make it into law. Meanwhile, during these times, it's important to note which members of Congress are against the First Amendment's Establishment Clause in all of its meanings and layers. Now we go to a story about an Army family who filed a lawsuit against their on-base landlord and won. For more on that, we go to Rethinking Heroes, Rose Thayer. Thank you, Carrie. From Austin, Texas, this is Rose Thayer reporting for Rethinking Heroes. You may recall several years ago, there was a flurry of news coverage around the housing available to service members and their families on military bases. The majority of that housing in the U.S. is privatized, meaning that a private company has partnered with the military base to manage and rent the houses to service members and their families. Families spoke out that they sometimes face dangerous conditions in these homes, such as mold, water leaks, lead paint, and pest infestations. Families also said these problems were made worse by slow maintenance or ineffective fixes. An Army officer and his wife living at Randolph Air Force Base in Texas sued their landlord, Hunt Military Communities, 
back in 2019 because they said the company's lax maintenance led to mold in their home that damaged their personal items. A jury agreed with them and awarded the family $91,000, which is roughly what their attorneys recommended. The other eight families, there were other eight fam- eight other families on the initial lawsuit against the company, and this trial was seen as an unofficial bellwether on how to handle those remaining cases. And this wasn't the only lawsuit filed against a military landlord, yet very few actually make it to a jury trial. Lawsuits filed around the same time at MacDill Air Force Base in Florida, Fort Cavazos in Texas, and Joint Base Lewis-McChord in Washington all settled out of court. Now back to you, Carrie, for a different kind of housing story. Rethinking heroes rose there. The White House announced it will spend more than $3 billion to combat homelessness, a portion of which will go specifically to fight veteran homelessness. The federal government estimates that about 33,000 veterans lack a permanent place to live, even as the Department of Veterans Affairs says it found homes for 40,000 veterans in the past two years. The White House said $11.5 million is dedicated to provide legal services for veterans experiencing or at risk of homelessness. The VA will distribute this money to public and nonprofit organizations through a newly formed Legal Services Grant program. This kind of legal help can help veterans avoid evictions and also obtain public benefits. This announcement comes as veterans advocates have been warning that more veterans could be at risk of losing permanent housing as the protections put in place for the COVID pandemic, well, as those protections expire. And that includes everything from the rules around providing telemedicine to financial assistance for rent. Now to military reporter Rose Thayer to discuss a new move by the Defense Department to offer preschool to military kids living overseas. Yes, Carrie, uh, this is welcome news for military families. The Department of Defense Education Agency, uh, which is the school district that manages schools on military bases overseas and in some remote U.S. locations, announced it will offer preschool to four-year-old military kids living at a Marine Corps base in Western Japan. It's the first base to offer universal pre-K, and the agency is awaiting more funds to expand the program. It's called universal pre-K because the only limitation for attending is age. Most school districts, most school districts in America limit free preschool attendance to students who are low income or meet other limiting criteria. President Joe Biden's proposed budget includes more than $66 million to fund pre-K for military kids in 60 communities across the globe. As a parent of a preschooler, I can tell you families welcome this opportunity. Not only does it get kids engaged in education early, studies have shown that kids who attend pre-K are more more likely to attend college. For Rethinking Heroes, I'm Rose Thayer. Back to you, Carrie. Special thanks to military reporter Rose Thayer for this Rethinking Heroes flash briefing. From Los Angeles and beyond, I'm Carrie Harrison. Don't forget to subscribe and like Rethinking Heroes wherever you get your podcasts. And follow and like us across all social media and on Substack simply by looking for Rethinking Heroes. You can also opt in for our free Rethinking Heroes newsletter at cleverlyrethinkingheroes.com. Preventing Truth Decay. Rethinking Heroes with Carrie Harrison. RethinkingHeroes.com. Carrie Harrison here with an exciting radio gift benefit just for you. Rethinking Heroes has found one more way to help not only vets, but people like you. This is radio giving back for all the time you've spent with us. 
Rethinking Heroes has found an angel partner who's created a downloadable, fee-free discount pharmacy card to give you up to 90% off many of your meds. It's pegged to government-listed prices, so my $250 Lipitor is only $13. Unlike GoodRx, this bypasses the middleman. It's our Rethinking Heroes Capital RX thank you card with no fees ever, no credit cards, no expiration dates, no cookies, no tracking. Perfect for the modern listener like you dealing with a busted medical system. So accept this thank you gift and download your fee-free cards now at RethinkingHeroes.com. RethinkingHeroes.com. That's RethinkingHeroes.com. By the way, if this isn't a good reason to love this radio station, show me a better one. Rethinking Heroes with Carrie Harrison. RethinkingHeroes.com. And it is Rethinking Heroes. Carrie Harrison with you. RethinkingHeroes.com, where you can get that gift from this radio station to you so that you can save thousands on your meds. Unbelievable. Plus, all the other good things we're going to do for you. More will be announced down the road. Well, by now, we've all heard of the Wagner Group, a Russian private military company, also known as a PMC. When you hear that acronym, you now know what that means. PMC, it stands for Private Military Company. We used to call them mercenaries, but it's a hell of a lot more elegant. Don't you think, PMC? Yeah, PMC. That's been active, by the way, the Wagner Group, in a number of conflict zones around the world, including Ukraine, Syria, Libya, Mozambique, the Central African Republic, and Sudan. The Wagner Group is believed to have been formed by Yevgeny Prigozhin, a Russian businessman and former hot dog vendor with close ties to the Kremlin. And that's how you go from hot dog vendor to head of mercenary maven. The size of the Wagner Group is difficult to estimate, but it's believed to have as few as 2,000 and as many as 10,000 fighters. Prigozhin's Wagner Group has been accused of a number of human rights abuses, including war crimes and torture, the use of child soldiers, among many, many others. Uh, This does not make them unique, by the way, in history, as every country you've ever heard or read about or studied has been accused of exactly the same thing, with the exception of child soldiers, at least here in the West. Germany, yes, when it was not part of the West the way we know it today. The future of the Wagner Group is still a member of, uh, uh, well, guesswork is probably the best way to put it. The group was designated as a transnational criminal organization back in January by both the U.S. and the European Union, and it might be forced to disband. At At least that's what we're hearing right now. More likely, the group will continue to operate under a different name, as it, as did Blackwater under Eric Prince. Who can forget Blackwater, which was smartly rebranded as Z Services in 2009, and then again, renamed Academy in 2011. You know, you do enough bad things, you just rebrand. It's like Time Warner had so many lawsuits for such bad cable service, it became, ding, Spectrum. And then we all forgot about Time Warner. Same kind of idea with rebranding Blackwater into two other entities. So then will Wagner then become something much more... uh, salient and salubrious for all the rest of us and blackwater of course was renamed after most recently academy after it was acquired by a group of private investors so why would the wagner group attack russia well the tension between wagner and the russian military grew after Prigozhin claimed the military attacked his troops saying that there'd been missile attacks on his camps he went on to say that the russian military was responsible for the deaths of two thousand of his soldiers And later, in a series of audios that were released by Prigozhin himself, 
He warned the Russian military that their actions would have consequences. He said, quote, those who destroyed our lads, those who destroyed the lives of many tens of thousands of Russian soldiers will be punished. I ask that no one offer resistance. But wouldn't you imagine that Vladimir Putin must have read about the dangers of relying upon mercenary forces in Machiavelli? It seems impossible that they don't teach Machiavelli in KGB finishing school. But then we're going to find out. Do they do they not with us right now via Zoom from Moscow is 21 year old Russian journalist Mark Luzhkovyi, who's covering the Ukrainian conflict along with Russian specific geopolitics. Mark is at ground zero in Moscow, where the world's eyes continue to be focused, providing the perspective of a young person buttressed in a war zone. Mark Luzhkovyi, I hope I am not totally hammering your name. I'm doing the best I can here. I want to welcome you to Rethinking Heroes. You're not, Kerry. You're absolutely not butchering my name, and it's a pleasure to be here once again. Long time no see as it goes. And uh, you said Moscow is a war zone uh, to which the eyes of uh, the whole world are attached. And I'm I, I'm not ready to quite agree on that one, because as you may know, uh, Prigozhin's forces, PMC Wagner, uh, it didn't actually reach Moscow, but instead only stopped on the outskirts of Moscow, just around 200 kilometers near it, uh, before seizing its uh, coup d'etat activities and uh, uh, removing itself to Belarus, a country which is uh, very closely tied to Russia, geographically and uh, culturally, and of course politically, since we have a very strong bond between uh, Russia's President Vladimir Putin and the leader of uh, Belarus, uh, Alexander Lukashenko. Uh, so what we need to know about PMC Wagner before why would it uh, uh, start an armed mutiny and uh, have an open conflict against the Russian government? Uh, first of all, let's remember when uh, it all started and uh, what was the reason behind creating the Wagner PMC. Uh, of course, it started back in 2014 when Russia started to uh, cardinally shift its foreign policy with uh, uh, returning Crimean Peninsula, a part of Ukraine at that time, and uh, making it a part of Russia. And of course, uh, this led to a an open confrontation with the West and uh, Russia had to have some sort of a special operation unit to achieve its foreign policy goals in some countries where a direct involvement of Russian forces wouldn't be wouldn't be wanted by Moscow itself to not attract any problems with international community and the United Nations. And uh, PMC Wagner proved itself to be quite efficient in resolving such problems abroad, especially in Africa, because we all know that Africa as a continent is very rich in natural resources and very unstable because of different tribal, uh, ethnic, and religious conflicts going on there. And uh, what was one of the main achievements which got uh, a lot of fame to Wagner's PMC, PMC prior to the start of the current war we have was that uh, his PMC managed to squeeze out French involvement from West Africa. West Africa, of course, uh, had been uh, for decades uh, actually a part of uh, French military operations uh, because uh, Paris used to be a metropoly which controlled uh, a lot of African countries. And Mark, uh, Mark Lushkovy, I'm just going to jump in for a second because we're going down a an awesome rabbit hole. 
but we do have some limited time here, so course, I'm just going to bring course, it back. Of course, of course. Of course. I, no. I, I just want to establish something first. Um, because we're in the United States, because we're in the West, we cannot reliably know how freely you're allowed to speak and from what position you may speak. So let's just say that the U.S. and much of the West have blocked Russian broadcasts and outgoing news services. Uh, we say that we've done that for our protection, us over here, and also to remove what might be considered propaganda. Rethinking Heroes listeners are savvy. They're definitely going to be following along with curiosity. But we understand that there may be limitations to what you're allowed to say. I don't know if you can say there might be limitations or not, but that would be helpful here. Of course, there are some limitations, as always, you have them in media, and uh, those limitations include different kinds of uh, uh, connotations, as, as for example, uh, I cannot publicly uh, deny that some territories which got returned to Russia uh, during this war with Ukraine, I cannot deny their uh, they uh, them being a part of Russia, of course. But... I don't deny it myself because I believe that uh, those territories are rightful Russian clay to various historical reasons which are too deep to dive in them today. And you can disagree on that, of course. And, uh, of course, uh, American media and uh, American government being, being not content with that is one of the reasons behind blocking Russian newscasts in America. But returning back to PMC Wagner, prior to this uh, coup d'etat attempt by Yevgeny Prigozhin, there was an open confrontation between him and Russian Defense Ministry. PMC Wagner, with all its experience and uh, uh, ability to gain uh, ground on the battlefield, uh, it turned out to be quite successful in liberating a couple of uh, major towns in Donbass, and as a result, uh, destroying so much Ukrainian forces that Ukrainian army today, as you can see, is failing on its offensive against Russia on Zaporozhye front. So, despite this major achievement by PMC Wagner, PMC Wagner was denied, basically stripped of ammunition by Russian Defense Ministry because of their open uh, reputational conflict and Yevgeny Prigozhin publicly on media and on Telegram channels talking bad things about uh, Russian Defense Minister Sergei Shoigu, who, of course, was not very happy with his own regiments uh, not uh, succeeding in uh, offensive operations, unlike Yevgeny Prigozhin and his uh, PMC Wagner. It's worth noting, by the way, that Yevgeny Prigozhin is not a military commander. He's a businessman and a public figure who's uh, making all the media PR moves for the PMC. But actually, who commands the unit is Wagner, Dmitry Utkin. And Wagner is his code name because allegedly he has some sympathies to German culture and... Uh, you know, and Richard Wagner, who was yeah. also one of the Fuhrer's favorite composers. So yeah. it's always, always, everything is always the Nazis in this country, in your country, in every country. It always boils down to the great excuse. We're going to get into that in just a second. Let me just reintroduce you. Carrie Harrison with you. This is Rethinking Heroes. You can go to RethinkingHeroes.com. Make sure you get our brand new spanking, shiny new newsletter. It's an opt-in. Uh, we're going to get you all kinds of cool discounts on stuff, plus information we don't dare 
say on the radio because we have FCC limitations too, and stories that might just shock and horrify. My favorite kind, of course, mystery history, what really happened. You're going to get all of that, so go to RethinkingHeroes.com. Right now, via Zoom from Moscow, is 21-year-old Russian journalist who you can hear his English skills are impeccable. He went to the uh, Moscovite version of Harvard, in uh, Russia there, and so he is a highly educated guy. His name is Mark Lushkovyi, and he is covering the Ukrainian conflict along with Russian-specific geopolitics for us right here, right live, and uh, uniquely so. We are talking about the Wagner Group, who they are, uh, Prigozhin versus Putin. What does it mean? Let's talk for a second, Mark Lushkovyi. What is Vladimir Putin's relationship with Yevgeny Prigozhin, the founder of the Wagner Group? Well, they personally know each other since the 1990s when capitalism in Russia after the fall of Soviet Union started to be the main socio-economic system. And during that time, Yevgeny Prigozhin made his business fortune grow millions of US dollars in 1996. And during that time, Vladimir Putin was a deputy mayor of St. Petersburg, Russia's second capital and second largest city. And uh, then they probably got acquainted and uh, Yevgeny Prigozhin's business started to grow, so much so that in early 2000s and 2010s, uh, he managed to get himself a lot of contracts in construction with Russian Defense Ministry, which is quite ironic considering the current situation we have today. And uh, he managed to gain so much money and so much connections, it was eligible for him to uh, start a private military company with former Russian servicemen uh, without any bureaucracy you have in armed forces, which actually made it so efficient and uh, so resultative uh, on the battleground. And of course, his relations with Vladimir Putin at that time allowed him to make it happen and uh, moreover to uh, expand his operations overseas. And uh, when that happened, of course, uh, Vladimir Putin denied, completely denied Russia, had any involvement with uh, PMC Wagner, and that, of course, the company itself was Russian, but Russian state had nothing to do with the company. However, just a couple of days ago, this week, actually, Vladimir Putin, he confirmed that from the very beginning of PMC Wagner, it was Russian government who funded it and spent billions of rubles and probably billions of dollars as well uh, on uh, the whole company and the whole thing and uh, the whole operational uh, package they had with uh, themselves. Uh, and, uh, of course, today what we see uh, is uh, not a very good relations not very good relations uh, between Vladimir Putin and Yevgeny Prigozhin, since uh, Yevgeny Prigozhin has uh, publicly uh, challenged Vladimir Putin with uh, his armed insurgency. Uh, the reason behind that is very simple. Uh, Vladimir Putin has very close personal relations with Russian Defense Minister Sergei Shoigu. And uh, apart from that, PMC Wagner doesn't have any official status from the legal point of view, as well as Yevgeny Prigozhin himself, he doesn't have any official government position. But despite that, we have uh, several thousands of uh, people armed with uh, prior combat experience in different kind of war zones, and they all have uh, only one person who they take orders from. This is Evgeny Prigozhin. And of course, a lot of influence in one hand without any legal 
legal um, justification and status, uh, it it becomes a very hard thing to navigate and to give orders to. And uh, Prigozhin was publicly very critical of different senior Russian officials, including St. Petersburg mayor, uh, the second largest city in Russia and its second capital, Russian defense ministry, Russian head of general staff, and other high-ranking military officials. Appreciate that, Mark. I'm just going to jump in again. Unfortunately, being radio, we have to kind of go back and forth and watch the clock at the same time. We're talking to 21-year-old journalist Mark Lushkovye. He's in Moscow right now, breaking down the basic 411 of the Wagner Group. This is Rethinking Heroes, RethinkingHeroes.com. In a moment, I'm going to tell you how you could support KPFK so we can get these extraordinary people who may or may not be risking their lives. They're not going to admit it, but you and I know what how it goes. Uh, even doing this show on this station can be risky for many of us and why you would need to support KPFK continuously in order for us to be able to do that. Mark, let me ask you your assessment of the allegations of human rights abuses committed by the Wagner Group. Is that considered acceptable by the Russian people? Let me break it down like this. Uh, those accusations, especially uh, those ones you mentioned about uh, child soldiers, they were made against BMC Wagner during their time in Africa. And as we, of course, all know, in Africa, there are a lot of tribal feud kind of conflicts with different kinds of atrocities performed by people uh, who are often, for example, Islamic mil militants uh, like ISIS, Boko Haram, or different sorts of extremists. And uh, when they conduct their operations and uh, take territory, they often rape, kill, and torture local population. And when you have PMC Wagner coming in and uh, acting on the behalf of local government, which pays PMC Wagner money and natural resources in order to stabilize uh, the country, what else, you uh, what else can you do uh, when you encounter Islamic terrorists or any other dangerous, violent extremists. You kill them. And sometimes people uh, who have uh, combat experience and uh, even legal experience, criminal experience, being previously in jail, they are not a very pleasant people to fight against. You've got to understand this, Kerry. I think you understand this because uh, imagine if you would see a village burned down completely with people shot dead and raped. And then you have a group of armed guys who know how to defeat these people. And you have some of them alive and uh, begging for their lives. This is a huge ethical question, of course. But yeah, to and, and more deeply, the ethics also beg to how did they get that way? Who was in there stirring up the pot to begin with? Uh, generally, people get along and are sustenance eaters they grow their own food they tend to work fairly well with each other but i could tell you from this side of the deck our country my country has gone in with many christian missionaries and trained them in the right way to live which of course causes all kinds of chaos for people who are then suddenly heathens when they never were uh, voodoo witch doctors were always considered for thousands of years as fertility gods now of course they're drag queens and have to be punished for not being christian real problems and i think both our countries in fact every country has been involved always when colonizing when going for the minerals so really 
really, I, I can't buy into, oh, they're just all animals and they're just eating each other and we have to go in and rescue it. Um, I think there's cause and effect. But that's another conversation for another time because we are out of time. But I have one final question for you. And I really appreciate your coming on, Mark Lushkovy, 21-year-old Russian journalist uh, covering the Ukrainian conflict along with Russian-specific geopolitics with us right now live on Zoom from Moscow. Uh, disbanding the... Uh, PMC, disbanding the Wagner Group, uh, much like our January 6th insurrection, as we call it, where nobody was punished. Move along, move along, nothing to see here, have a nice day. It was only an absolute assault on the Capitol. Same thing happened in Moscow, really no punishment. You know, move along, uh, have a nice day. We don't really hate you anymore. Uh, From the Russian side, I mean, we're rolling our eyes here. Are you rolling your eyes there about this? Um so what we have to understand is that uh, despite all that happened the recruitment of pmc wagner to serve in africa and arabic countries is still going on and you still can apply if you of course have a russian citizenship and know some foreign languages like french or arabic uh the main main um manpower of PMC Wagner is now in Belarus and the uh, Belarusian parliament is actually uh, voting in favor of a legislation to legalize their status there and all the PMC centers in uh, uh, Moscow, St. Petersburg, other large Russian cities, they're still functioning and they're still recruiting and uh, even if PMC Wagner, the current brand will be closed. Uh, we still have all the infrastructure in Africa, and we all and we still have all uh, the infrastructure in Belarus moved into Belarus and uh, legalized there. So name can be whatever, but the manpower, the weapons, the mo- most of weapons, of course, because heavy artillery and heavy weaponry have been transferred to Russian Defense Ministry, but still they have some weapons, modern weapons, they still have people, and uh, those people are experienced and ready to work. And there are a lot of conflicts around the globe which uh, are requiring some people from abroad to come there and to help local governments to, for example, defeat a terrorist insurrection. And uh, PMC Wagner or PMC something, we can see them there. I think my assessment is uh, absolutely 100% and their story is not over for sure. And this page of history is not turned, at least for now. I think we should come up with a nice hyphenate and call them Wagner Blackwater. I think that'd be a lovely new name and we could all just glow with that. That won't mean anything to you maybe, uh, but (laughs) just my particularly appalling sense of humor. I want to thank you, Mark Lushkovier. Thank you so much for being brave. Thank you for showing up here in the U.S. uh, as a young man. And I sound like your grandfather. As a younger person, 21, I am over 21, clearly here. Showing up and and being brave and putting forth your perspective, your worldview, your Weltanschauung in front of us so that we can hear what you see because we are not there and we are not allowed to be there. So hopefully you'll come and visit with us again and bring us more insights and observations. This uh, issue, this conflict is not going away anytime soon. So I very much appreciate your having participated with us today on Rethinking Heroes. Thank you so much, Harry. Have a good broadcast. Thanks. You too, my friend. That was 21-year-old Russian journalist Mark Lushkovy. 
uh, covering Ukrainian conflict along with Russian-specific geopolitics. He's done TV and radio and other things, and as a young guy, is able to navigate their system there and found a way to break free so that he could talk to us. Not an easy task from this side either, trust me. Well worth the get. So let's pivot and talk about KPFK, talk about why it is so cool that we do what we do here. We are able and willing to stick our necks out and get you impossible voices. On this show alone, we've brought you Congress people, senators, cabinet members, movie stars, you name it, we get them on here. It doesn't matter. We are happy to do that. That is part of our mission. And we do that because we are preventing truth decay. And we know that people from all different sectors have a vision and they all ply their own sphere of influence that actually affects live humans. They might be in the entertainment business. Listen, if Kim Kardashian, saying her name, it's just so difficult for me, but let's say she tweets that the world is flat and gets a million likes, you're going to have at least 10,000 people convinced the world is flat. You can't unconvince them until there's a counter tweet, maybe from her again, and there never will be. You are now plus 10,000 people who are convinced the world is flat, and they're going to be telling their friends. That would be the celebrity factor. Then you have the political factor. That's why getting all these different voices on is so meaningful. I'm going to be bringing on, just just a minute, Norman Solomon. We talked about his book a couple of weeks ago. It hadn't been out. It's fresh. It's not available everywhere yet, but it is right here, right now on KPFK. For a $100 donation, you can get a copy of War Made Invisible by Norman Solomon. This book is your absolute manual to how these conflicts happen, how, as Mark Lushkovyi was saying they happen sort of invisibly. Yeah, he knows this, that, the other, how all the dots are connected, but we don't hear. We don't really know what the Wagner group is. We don't really know about Putin. We do know that they got a free pass just like January 6th. They got a free pass just like the freaking Nazis after World War II. After all of that, a decade and a half, four people got hanged. Four. Count them. One, two, three, four. Next. Move along. Nothing to see here. This happens repeatedly. Why does that happen? This is what Norman Solomon talks about. You can get your copy, and we're going to talk to him in about, oh, 28 seconds. You can get your copy by picking up the phone right now. KPFK is 818-985-KPFK. It's a $100 donation. Think about that. This is permanent school. This book is your Machiavellian manual. You want to know? What a mercenary troop can and do, can and does do. You want to know how to get them. You want to know where they're hiding, how they rebrand, how it all works. This is the book for you. You want to know why you never, ever, ever see this stuff on CNN. This is the book for you. In his 1961 farewell speech, then President Eisenhower prophetically warned us about the detrimental effects of the military industrial complex. Over six decades later, that complex has not only become more entrenched, so says journalist Norman Solomon, who is with us and says the military-industrial complex has now fully captured other American institutions as well, including our media, except, of course, this particular broadcast, which is free-range, it's gluten-free, and it's looking to prevent further truth decay. Norman Solomon's new book, War Made Invisible, illuminates the contradictory truths of our country's military forays, 
which have at once become perpetual and ever-expanding, yet increasingly untracked and invisible to the American public. Not to CNN or MSNBC, Fox, Newsmax, the New York Times, Washington Post, Los Angeles Times, or the rest of the major media. Oh, no, not invisible to them. They simply choose quite conspicuously, never, ever, 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 ever to cover this material the way they should and could. End of sentence, full stop. Although President Biden claimed in 2021 U.N. speech that for the first time in 20 years, the U.S. is not at war. The Costs of War Project asserts that the war on terror, by the way, continues currently, as we speak this second, continues in over 80 countries. That's eight zero, having caused approximately 4.5 million, 4.5 million deaths to date. That's an unsavory fact that causes immediate cognitive dissonance. Because who wants to admit or even accept that as a possibility? And the costs at home are almost as dire. Well, last year's Pentagon budget received a rousing bipartisan support and mushroomed to over $850 billion, an estimated 34 million of us Americans face hunger each and every day. That's about the entire population of Canada. You hear that on CNN lately? I don't think so. How about on Fox? Definitely not. LA Times, New York Times, or at any times, day or night? Definitely not. Meanwhile, in cities and suburbs and rural areas, the cascading effects of chronic neglect are rife. From underfunded public schools and social services to inadequate and exorbitant housing. We're the only Western nation with literal life-threatening shortfalls of health care all the way from infancy to old age. As Military.com recently reported, when an Army couple had their daughter at a military hospital, had gave birth to their daughter, that is, at a military hospital after being forced to wait for a delayed C-section, collections calls started coming in for $600,000. That's $12,166.40 for just the air ambulance. $61,634.80 from the WakeMed hospital chain, and another $594,564.88 from Duke Health. Who says the South won't rise again? This unconscionable and appalling statistic literally could not occur in other first world countries, where you pay for your medicine along with your street lamps and your EPA or their version of it, your, your military, your fire, your police, etc., etc. This horrifying story is made triply appalling in that a dose of medicine costs more than a house. A house! Even first class for 12 people on Emirates Airlines plus hotel and tea with a Saudi prince costs less. That same 600 grand is equivalent to, what, like 12 people in a five-star hotel for three weeks in a Swiss resort, including spa treatments and skiing and delicious Michelin star meals? How does a doctor reconcile his Hippocratic oath with an apparent contempt for the American people for which he has sworn to do no harm? In many states across the South where this incident took place, the doctors are allowed on the very, to own the very surgical centers that they like to send their patients to. Talk about taking it on both ends. Medical ethics? People can't even pronounce those two words anymore. I'm sorry. But Harry Truman, who dropped the atom bombs, he knew that this medical system here was insane and it would be the death of all of us. 
and it has been now for so many. Let's talk to Norman Solomon. Let's get the skinny on this. I want you to pick up the phone for a $100 pledge. You're going to get his book, War Made Invisible. If you want to know how and what to be able to teach this and know forever how to navigate the shoals of this uncertain future, then this is the book you absolutely want to get. Rethinking Heroes with Carrie Harrison. RethinkingHeroes.com Carrie Harrison here with an exciting radio gift benefit just for you. Rethinking Heroes has found one more way to help not only vets, but people like you. This is radio giving back for all the time you've spent with us. Rethinking Heroes has found an angel partner who's created a downloadable, fee-free discount pharmacy card to give you up to 90% off many of your meds. It's pegged to government-listed prices, so my $250 Lipitor is only $13. Unlike GoodRx, this bypasses the middleman. It's our Rethinking Heroes Capital Rx thank you card with no fees ever, no credit cards, no expiration dates, no cookies, no tracking. Perfect for the modern listener like you dealing with a busted medical system. So accept this thank you gift and download your fee-free cards now at RethinkingHeroes.com. RethinkingHeroes.com. That's RethinkingHeroes.com. By the way, if this isn't a good reason to love this radio station, show me a better one. We are in complete control. We are Rethinking Heroes with Carrie Harrison. RethinkingHeroes.com.